Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome person. I always say awesome, but I'm saying awesome now because this person traveled very far to be here for just a few days. Nicole Deeker. Hi, I'm actually very glad to be here. And you know, it's almost New Year's. There is nowhere I would rather be than in Los Angeles on New Year's. You're saying that totally sincerely. Absolutely. All my friends are here. The parties are here. There's, you know traffic here? Everything's here. (laughs) Yeah, you just came from the airport. I did. I just came from the airport. And the traffic was backed up? The traffic was backed up, and I was also taking public transportation, which was, you know, I lived in LA for a while, and I took public transportation everywhere. And as soon as I got on, it was like, oh, I remember why I stopped doing this. (laughs) It will get you there (laughs) when it wants to, right? Eventually. Yeah, there's a lot more public transportation than people realize. It just also takes its sweep time. And there's even more of Los Angeles for it to take its sweet time in compared to other places. Has it expanded in the past four years? Are you like, uh, it's like Yeah, Pokemon. I think so. Yeah, it's expanding. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. You can catch it, but a lot of people complain about it. Yeah, it's exactly like Pokemon. Exactly. Uh, so can you tell people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a freelance writer. I am the senior editor at The Billfold, which you can find at thebillfold.com. <laughs> it's a site that deals with the personal side of personal finance. I'm also, I've been on The Toast, I've been on NBC News, I've been on Barnes & Noble, I'm everywhere on the internet. You can find me <laughs> at nicoledeeker.com and find all the other places online I've ever been. You can find them all, huh? So The Billfold... You say it's the personal part of personal finance. Uh, You write a lot of articles about like how finance works in fictional worlds or Mm -hmm. TV shows, right? Is that fun to research? Is that a a true passion? Absolutely. I am really interested in in what stories get right and what they get wrong about finance. For example... You know, we looked at Harry Potter recently. So Harry, we see we has, he has this enormous vault of gold. Yeah. We find out in book one, you know, not only is he the chosen child, but he's also rich. He's ridiculously rich. And then we don't hear anything about it for seven books. The gold just sits there. He never uses it. He never, you know, donates any of it to the Order of the Phoenix. He never helps out Ron when Ron's wand is broken, you know. He doesn't, it, it's like he doesn't have any money at all. So why yeah. Why make him rich? I remember, but I might be just creating them in my mind, incidents where he's like, I could buy all these butter beers, but that would bum Ron out and remind him that he's poor. Is that, am I, did I just imagine that? No, I think so, especially, again, in the first book, which I very recently reread, he gets on the train, and he buys the entire trolley of sweets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're right. I never thought of, in the real world, money can have huge impacts on things that we want to change, on injustice. And Harry Potter is all about fighting injustice, and he never bothers to like spend any money. No. Although, <laughs> what could he have spent it on? Like, you can't buy a better spell, you know? You can't buy a better spell, but I have to imagine, like, is the later books got so political? I'm sure he could have invested some money in like political campaigns mm-hmm. right he could have maybe invested in hermione's campaign to free the house elves right i mean he didn't really support that <laughs> okay. kind of so harry potter is just a piece of thing. shit is the bottom line <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's talk a- about a another thing that you are obsessed with your true obsession this is one of those great times where somebody emailed me and said i would like to talk about this oh, i'm ready and this is steven universe I'm so ready for this. (laughs) Okay, so for people who have never heard of or watched Steven Universe, what is it? 
It is a it's a show on Cartoon Network, which you can also view via Amazon and other online services. It is the first Cartoon Network show created by a woman, Rebecca Sugar. She has she's trying to she's doing a lot of things with this show, and one of them is sort of queering the canon. Okay. <laughs> and the other one is and I think her quote was breaking down the semiotics of gender. Nice. But if you want the most basic definition, it's about a young boy who lives on, on Earth with a bunch of magical space rocks, and he has to fight <laughs> monsters. Okay. So you can enjoy it on whichever level you'd like. Yes. You can sit there and go, cool, this is a fun animated show about basically superheroes fighting bad guys. Or you can say, wow, look at them change the semiotics of gender. Absolutely. And enjoy it on either level, both levels, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, Rebecca Sugar, is that her real name? That is her real name. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love it when people have real weird names. <laughs> Perfect names. So uh, for you, what hooked you about the show? I first got hooked after Seth Boyer, musician Seth Boyer, whom you may remember from his sort of slow version of Smash Mouth's All-Star <laughs> yes. or his Get Wrecked or, you know, a bunch of music. Look him up on the internet. Anyway, so Seth was tweeting about how great the music was. And the Steven Universe music, the songs are written by Rebecca Sugar. The, the background instrumentals and score are by Ivy and Sarashu, whom I know Ivy from a project we did ages ago. Okay, because you, know? you have had a career as a musician as well that you're not as focused on right now, but you do still a little bit, right? I do. Okay. I do. It doesn't make as much money as the writing about money thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do it when I can. Anyways, so I knew Ivy and I knew Seth and I was like, oh, I have to listen to this. So I spent maybe a month or so just listening to the soundtrack and the music. Before I finally decided, well, I actually have to watch this now. So you listened to the music before? Absolutely. And did you have other friends who were saying, like, this is a really awesome show, it's really entertaining, it's really progressive, and you're like, yeah, whatever, I'm enjoying the chiptunes. <laughs> I, I did, and it was one of those things that I saw on Twitter and on Tumblr, and okay. I saw people talking about it. And again, I, my initial reaction was it looked sort of like a harem anime, because it okay. was this boy surrounded by women. And I hadn't got to the, you know, the, the, the breaking the semiotics of gender part yet. <laughs> and it was like, oh, another show where a dude is surrounded by women and they help him woo, you know. <laughs> so is I, that a trope in anime? Absolutely. Okay. Is that a, did you say harem anime? Mm -hmm. Is it like the actual word harem that and I know? The actual word harem. Okay. Yes. And that is a, I know there are a lot of different subsets of anime. Is that a specific like in Japan I, anime? You know, and I don't know enough about anime to okay. say for sure. But if you say harem anime, people who know anime will know what you're talking okay. about. Is a dude surrounded by eight a ladies. dude surrounded by a bunch of you know the special boy surrounded by women who help him. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, I was a little turned off by that, and then I listened to the music and the lyrics. And I'm like, oh, this is not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it not that? What is what makes the narrative different that it, it doesn't fall into that harem anime style? Well, the women are people. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blowing. <laughs> And it's hard to say people because they're actually sentient space rocks whose bodies are astral projections of light. But they're <laughs> but but they're very they're unique in their their characters. Yeah, no, they're absolutely they're fully developed characters. And one of the reasons that I'm so particularly obsessed with this show is that you can you can understand these characters' emotions by the way they sing. I'm also a huge, huge, huge musical theater nut, so okay. you know, this is hitting me right in the important parts here. You know, you can hear from from the way a character uses 
like what key she's singing in, whether she's sticking into the key, whether she's modulating, whether she's moving up, down, you know what her range is. You can, you can tell what kind of emotion she has. And each of these characters are scored so differently, okay. you know, musically, that I, I began to realize how much thought was put into each of them. Are those choices almost entirely composer-based, or are there some that can be influenced by the performer, the ones that you're responding to as a music theater nerd? I would say that a little bit of both. Certainly, you know, Rebecca Sugar writes the music, Ivy and Sarashu score it, and the singers, many of whom are from musical theater backgrounds or movie music backgrounds. We've got you know, Susan Egan, who sang Belle in Beauty and the Beast, okay. is in this. And we've got some people who are Miss Saigon on Broadway and et cetera. You know, you can hear that come through in their voices and you can hear them play the characters. I mean, yeah, okay. it's, sort of, so, it's difficult to articulate. It's yeah. something you have to listen to. But that makes sense. Uh, you as a musical person would respond to the music. So you listen to the music, then you realize that, oh, this is not a typical, this is not the typical semiotics of gender. Yes. This is a, perhaps a subversion or discussion of them. And then did you go back and watch from the beginning? Are you completist where you have to see it from the beginning? Or did you try an episode in the middle? I, I did. I started at the beginning. And <laughs> I made some jokes with my friends who had seen it before about how it was a bit like, oh, it's it's like Sailor Moon, where you have a minute of character development at the beginning. And then something that you don't think is a monster turns out to be a monster. And then you have to fight it. And then you almost lose. And then a bigger person, you know, someone with more experience shows up and throws a rose into the middle of everything. And then you fight some more. And then you finally win. And, you know, and I was like, oh, it's just like Sailor Moon. They just fight a bunch of monsters. And there's a minute of character development at the beginning. And my friends were like, oh, no, 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 no. You have no idea. <laughs> It's one of those things where you can sort of see what they were trying to do in the first episodes to get it on the air. Okay. And once it was on the air, all the women started kissing each other. Okay. Right. So it <laughs> also has explicit lesbian and gay and queer content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I was reading up at, on it on Wikipedia. I have not watched any of it. Uh, the only thing I watched was the opening credits because mm-hmm. I was curious about that. And it said that a lot of it is about the sibling relationship between mm-hmm. Stephen, the main character, and all of the gem sisters? Is that, uh, so how much is it sibling-based? How much is it a show about siblings? Well, Stephen Sugar is Rebecca Sugar's younger sibling, and he is the model for Stephen Universe, okay. the character. Although Stephen and the gems are, you know, they're not related. So it's not this traditional sibling relationship. Stephen is an only child, and these gems are his caretakers. Okay, so there is a little bit of though a sibling relationship there, where the caretakers, the the gems with uh, fully developed human projections, uh, <laughs> have a sort of mentorship role over him, mm-hmm. like a, a sibling relationship, not a parent-child relationship. Yes, okay. they are definitely not his parents, okay. and you know because of that, the show is set in ostensibly the modern era, minus the the part where there are gems running around. So Stephen has a lot more freedom than than his peers. So he's allowed to walk around by himself. He's allowed to, you know, do these things that other children aren't allowed to do. And there are episodes about that where Stephen's, Stephen's unusual mentoring or parenting or, or absent of parenting, you know, <laughs> means he gets more freedom, which is also something that isn't really addressed necessarily in modern television. You have to do something like Stranger Things and shove it back into the past so kids can ride bikes because they can't ride bikes anymore <laughs> because then they'll call CPS on them, you know. Right, right. It's pretty much Stranger Things or Peanuts where the yes. parents are just utterly absent except for monotone weird noises. 
Do you have siblings? Or are I you do. an only child? No, I, I'm the oldest one. You're the oldest. Okay. How many siblings do you have? I have one younger sibling. She's two years younger than me. Okay. Do you? Are you close? Yeah. I mean, we were very close when we were growing up. And since then, we live across the country from each other. Okay. We used to live down the street from each other, and that was really lovely. And, you know, now we live across the country, and we see each other a couple times a year. Does the sibling relationship in Steven Universe, is that seem familiar to you because of your own relationship with your sibling or is it just so unrelated to that kind of reality because we're talking about people who are gems and have superpowers yes and i'm going to answer your question in a slightly different way <laughs> excellent the other big thing that attracted me to steven universe was the character of pearl who is the oldest of the gems okay that's seen like so yourself she's the oldest sibling and understand why I identified so immediately with this character. We have to go back to the Muppets, okay? <laughs> I'm always willing to go back to the Muppets. Good. My favorite Muppet was Bert. Okay. And that probably says everything you need to know about me. I also had a pair of saddle shoes as a child. Okay. It was very important. But Bert, you know, is, is male. Yeah. And that Bert archetype, the sort of focused, slightly uptight, organized, and maybe a little oblivious... You know, he's just a little bit, because Ernie's the one who's always got all the information, and Bert's sitting there with his bottle caps, or his newspapers, or his copy of Charles Dickens' A Tale yeah. of Two Cities, and Ernie's the one running through with a glass of water. So Bert might be a little <laughs> too focused, but that archetype is nearly always male. Yeah. You know, it's Bert, it's Sheldon from A Big Bang Theory, yeah. you know, it's Scooter, sort of, if we want to talk about other Muppets, and in Steven Universe, it's female. So you see someone who's focused, you see someone who practices, we sh you know, they show her practice. You see someone who is very dedicated to what she does and is also very feminine, which is a combination that you don't see a lot of. So I immediately identified with this character. You know, I was like, I have to see what happens. I have to see what she does. Because sometimes we watch shows to see what people do so we can do them ourselves. <laughs> so you're getting pointers from Pearl. Yes. And I am, you know, admittedly, I'm recognizing they're both flawed characters and I am a flawed character. We're all flawed characters. We're all yeah. flawed characters. But what's interesting is the thing that makes Pearl strong is never made fun of. It's never that, oh, she's smart. She's a know-it-all. Or, oh, she's, you know, focused. That means she's obsessive. It's... Her strengths are allowed to be strengths, Okay, which is also something that you rarely see in the sort of smart and uptight and ramrod straight type of character. Yeah, it's almost always the comedy of the world around them is so loose and yes. hip and whatever, and they're so uptight that they can't function. There's another character in Steven Universe, the youngest of the gems called Amethyst, who is the loose character and who is very naturally talented and free in her body and all of this, and five seasons in... You know, we waited five seasons for this. She finally realizes that she is no longer able to keep up with Pearl and Garnet because she hasn't been practicing. Oh, she has wow. Been, yes, I watched that episode. It's like, <laughs> this is the best episode of television. She's like, yeah, I was, you know, sitting on the couch eating chaps and you all were practicing sword fighting and magic gem spears and lasers. And now I can't keep up because my natural talent was only able to get me so far. You know, not in yeah. so many words. But it's just like, oh my goodness, this is everything I've ever wanted anyone to do in a television yeah. show. Oh, that speaks to me. I feel like many, many people that I interact with, I should send them that. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's really, really cool. Do you feel like they can depict different characters more fully 
because they have many female characters that they're getting away from the trap of if it was all guys and just Pearl, it would feel like you're saying, well, women are uptight. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, anytime you have more than two female characters that are actual players, not NPCs, you know, (laughs) because again, if we want to talk about the Muppets, there's, there's Miss Piggy and there's Skeeter. You know, if you want to talk about the Smurfs, there's Smurfette and there's Sasset. There's always the super feminine kind of self-centered character. And then there's the tomboy character, right? Yeah. And then maybe you, you have someone like Janice who's really just an NPC. We can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> now, why is, why is Janice a non-player character? Just because she she's too much do in the background? Anything. She okay. does just like, yeah. You know, and then Dr. T is like, oh, well, I'll advance the plot. And she's like, yeah. I think she can... does marijuana. I think that's <laughs> about what she does. Fair enough. Fair but, enough. You know, and so you grow up with with maybe your two options being, you know, Miss Piggy or Skeeter, Smurfette, Sesset. You're like Marl or Luca if you're playing Chrono Trigger, you know. And, <laughs> and then suddenly you have, you know, to see a show that has, at this point, something like seven different primary female characters. Right, because then you're not getting to see for yourself not just the an archetype that feels like you with Pearl. Mm-hmm. You're getting to see how that archetype works against it as they bounce off of different other archetypes, which obviously you have to do in real life mm-hmm. because you run into your your other characters, uh, your other gem holders in the real world, right? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the gems and the powers and the actual like superhero part of it. So mm-hmm. what kind of powers and abilities do these characters have? They have different abilities based on sort of the way they were made. Okay. Gems are mined out of the ground. <laughs> so this show has like a deep specific mythology, like any sort of geek thing yes. that you can sink your teeth into. Okay. Um, but when gems form their bodies out of light, they, they can choose where to place the actual gemstone. And so where they choose to place it often, it shows where their strength is or where they believe their strength is where they place it on their in their physical on their form? body yes okay. so if you you use your mind mostly it will go on your forehead if you're more of a heart person it goes you know in on your chest area you can put it on your stomach on your legs or on your bicep it illustrates sort of what you value okay and what kind of powers you you end up having you know, okay. I don't. I don't know if the powers come first and the gem placement comes second or vice versa. That okay. lore has not been <laughs> created. I have two things to say. First, mm-hmm. I really delight. I've been doing a lot of episodes where people tell me about a geek thing that I don't actually know about, and I know so many geek things. The minutia. I love hearing other people's minutia because it just amuses me to be able to hear it from the outside, just sort of the absurdity of it. But you have such a, uh, uh, a distinct, measured speaking voice that it sounds like a real thing. So I feel like I stepped into a classroom and people were actually explaining geology to me, but it is about the minds from Steven Universe. Well, there so you that go. Is, that is delightful to me. I might have you record like some true facts about Star Wars just to hear them as though they are actually technically correctly real. <laughs> so where would you put your gem if you had a gem? I thought about that. I mean, the obvious placement would be on my head because I'm a very, <laughs> I do a lot of thinking, but I'm also, I'm also a storyteller, you know, by nature. In both in the work I do and the various hobbies I have. So I wondered if it would be on my throat. It's a little hard to say. I feel like the head area makes sense. I thought about putting it on my hands because I type and do computer things, but that's only the, you know, the mechanism by which I get 
the story out. Right. If we had smartphones that you could just think dictate to, you wouldn't be like, I want to touch those smartphones. Well, we're going to, aren't we? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Well, actually, no. I really, really don't. (laughs) Strike that from the record entirely. I do not want to be able to accidentally think tweet ever in my life. Okay, so you put on your head. Yeah, because that's interesting because you are a thoughtful, analytical person, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to be able to figure things out and put things in their sections, in their boxes. Is that fair to say? Mm Mm-hmm. But then you usually express those things in an artistic way, like by singing or even when you are capable of writing probably like very dense, specific financial things, you're still gravitating towards discussing them in in the context of art. Absolutely. And yeah. in the context of, you know, when I write things for the billfold, I think of myself as speaking it aloud. How would I be saying this to someone? So I, it's very conversational comma placement i mean you want to talk about comma placement but you put it in you 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 make the sentences sound like something you would say so so it might end up on my throat i don't know okay i would have to project myself into a being to see (laughs) well hurry up and do that so what kind of powers then they they shoot lasers did you say they can shoot lasers every gem has a a weapon also that they can draw out of their gemstone okay Mm -hmm. so you would be able to like draw a like beam sword out of your throat absolutely absolutely (laughs) i would probably draw a defensive weapon because i am not very good at fighting okay so you would pull like a large shield or what i could pull a shield out yes what other kind of defensive weapons do they have you can pull out a bubble and protect people with a bubble oh nice you know you can pull out a shield you can turn your shield into a weapon you can put spikes on it or whatever i mean i might pull out put a whistle work (laughs) just sort of call people (laughs) just to let people know there's a problem yes (laughs) or a megaphone (laughs) okay uh, I, I'm going to be honest, a little judgmental. Mm-hmm. That seems like a waste of a gem yeah. because a whistle is just a thing you can buy in real life. Absolutely. But it would be a magic whistle. Yeah. Okay. It would be a magic whistle, well, like could... a magic sword because mm-hmm. you can buy a sword in real life. Okay. Um. So <laughs> so you'd have a magic whistle that you could blow. That would be a very, very good. Very, very effective. Uh, if you were one of the gem characters, are they a species? They are, I mean, they've called themselves aliens. They originated on another planet. Okay. They came to Earth. And then they began mining new gems out of the earth again. That that part's still a little unclear. <laughs> okay, they're they're leaving some room to fill in the lore. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so if you were like a, a a gem character, is there one of the other characters that you would want to hang out with that you would want to be friends with in particular? Would you want to be friends with Pearl, or is that too much of looking into the mirror? I think we need to talk about gem fusion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please. So not only are gems friends, you know, and allies and, you know, battle companions, but they also have the ability to fuse with each other. And when they fuse, they become a new gem who exhibits both of their strengths, right? Okay. So they become stronger together. Fusion is a metaphor for relationships and the act of fusing is a very obvious metaphor for sex. Yeah. And there's some episodes about consent and consent issues, which are really great. You can all go watch those online. Like uh, fusion, gem, fusion consent. Mm-hmm. Like cool. what happens if you fuse with someone under false pretenses? Okay. You know, or fuse without asking. Okay. Or refuse to unfuse, you know. There are s- any, this yeah. is so great. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like the way it's conveyed is, does not feel like 
old school after school specials like heavy handed. Like it feels right. organic to the lore they've created. Absolutely. Cool. I mean, again, a lot of adults watch this. It's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would believe you anyway, but you said it in a very successfully <laughs> defensive way. It is not just me. I wasn't thinking that. Uh, okay, so j- you brought up Gem Fusion. I asked mm-hmm. you which one you wanted to hang out with. So are you going to tell me who you want to Gem Fuse with? It's it's really interesting to think about. I think if I if I did fuse with Pearl, we would not be a very strong gem. We okay. would be tall, and we would have a checklist in one hand <laughs> and a spear in the other. You know, a magic checklist. A though, magical right? checklist. Everything <laughs> always gets done on the magical checklist. <laughs> That's pretty effective. But I don't think. I mean, I'm. This is going to sound real profound. Um, I feel like she and I would have things to teach each other, but I feel like it would be more interesting to fuse with someone else. Yeah, because you'd just sort of be like giant confirmation bias gem exactly. because you would just agree with one another, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. The most interesting gem for me to fuse with would probably be Garnet, who is already a fusion. She has a stable fusion of the gems Ruby and Sapphire. Okay. But she is also, she's the clear leader. So at that point, would it be considered like a three-way gem fusion? It would be a three-way gem fusion. The the gem created would be very large and have a a large amount of powers. But the thing that Garnet is able to do that the other gems aren't is, you know, she's able to be compassionate and she is able to be open and she is able to teach people how to love you know, and to exhibit love by being herself. Um, again, if we want to talk about the, the whole women kissing thing, yeah. there's an episode called The Answer, which is also a book which I bought for my nephew because the things ants are supposed to do is buy books for their nephews that they're <laughs> completely way too advanced for them. Um, but it's a children's book about, you know, these two young girls, and I'm saying girls with air quotes because, again, they're gems, they're beings made out of gemstone and light, who fall in love with each other. And this, this this has never happened before, and they discover... Like two gems have never fallen in That's love. That's correct. They've two fused, gems have never fallen in love. But they don't... Okay. Mm-hmm. They've fused for battle purposes. They've never fallen <laughs> in love. They've never decided they wanted to become a permanent fusion. So they've done it sort of... Uh, to use the sex analogy uh, for procreation, but never yes! for fun and joy. Yes, that's perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so to fuse with someone, you know, and, and you know, again, I'm getting real profound here. Since I am a person who operates primarily on her own and is very stable on her own, what could I learn from someone who's in a stable relationship? Oh, okay. What could I learn by combining my by opening up myself to allow myself to be entered by this stable relationship, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I do. I know exactly what you mean. So it's a three-way with gem crystals. Absolutely. I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you you feel like you would learn something about, uh, like, would you learn about relationships, do you feel like? I would hope so. And also, I mean, how to let somebody in to your life to the point where they are a permanent part of your body. <laughs> right. You know, to take them, but but how to how to balance you know, who you are with who they are and become the thing that exists between you. Right, because that seems to be like the point of the gem is that it's uh, a super-powered combination, not mm-hmm. that one or the other gets dominance. Exactly. The The idea is that any relationship is greater than the people involved, Yeah. if it's a good relationship. Right, that's the ideal. But, right. you know, sometimes, you know, people live together, even married, but their gems are not fused. Oh, no, and sometimes they're a terrible fusion and it keeps falling apart. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Have you been in a relationship since you became obsessed with Steven Universe? No, no. Okay. 
do you feel like the next time you're going to be in a relationship that that's that all of these ideas are going to be a big part of how you process it? That's a very good question. You know, I I, I suspect I might mention it. <laughs> Is that the third date conversation? How do you feel about gem fusion? Um, but certainly the idea that people can become something larger than themselves when they work with other people is, yeah. you know, you can think about that whether you're thinking about romantic relationships or friendships or people joining together to be activists. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. You seem to know the lore really well, and I know you, you're a person who who knows things. They figure things out. Uh, have you watched this show more than once? Have you made an effort to become knowledgeable? Yes. The the great thing about Steven Universe is that the episodes are only 11 minutes long. Okay. So rewatchability is kind of built into it, especially because it's a show, you know, theoretically for children who rewatch things all the time. Yeah. And when you rewatch, you pick up details that weren't designed for you to catch them the first time. Oh, okay. So you think that there is supposed to be layers that are found the second time around. Absolutely. There's one episode that ends with, you know, sort of a fade out and a character is speaking into this fade out. And, you know, that's the sort of thing you watch and you think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to pay attention to this because the character is moving into the background, the voice is getting quieter. And what you realize on the rewatch is that they are telling you everything that's going to happen in the next season. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so there's no way you could know that the first no, time around. Right, no, right. No. Now, are you the type of person, though, if you're just staring off into space, mm -hmm. thinking about Steven Universe, mm -hmm. and you realize, I know there's a detail somewhere in season three that not a lot of fans remember, and I want to be the one who remembers all the details of this bad guy. Will you go and, like, study? Absolutely. <laughs> We were just, and I say we, you know, me and the Steven Universe fandom community <laughs> were just doing this after the most recent episode came out. There, uh, the character of Greg Universe, who is Steven Universe's father, who lives out of a van and works at a car wash and once was a rock star and then sort of, you know, the way I'm not a rock star anymore, <laughs> uh, is not that. He has a tan on his body. And it's the sort of thing, you look at it, and it's, it's got, like, the farmer tan, so it's pale okay. up top and, you know, red on his arms. And you look at it at the beginning, you think it's character design. And as the series progresses, you're like, oh, it's winter, but he still has the farmer tan, even though there's not sun. And there are these flashbacks where he doesn't. And you realize there's a point in time in which this tan got burned onto his body so you're watching flashbacks you're watching current episodes and you're like does he have it does he not have it does he have it does he not have it and so we're starting to put together after the most recent episode when in time this would have happened <laughs> and what event might have happened during that time period to cause his permatan as the fan base calls it <laughs> um you know so you can you can go that deep if you want to yeah that's awesome i i have been going that deep on star wars lately mm -hmm. with all of the new canon where they're mm -hmm. really since they separated it since disney bought it and separated all of the old books and comic books and now they're getting into that level of stuff where fans can go through and decipher and then they Sometimes can even help Disney make a decision about some weird thing, uh, Disney Lucasfilm. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fan community because on the Wikipedia page, that's one of the things that came up towards the end is that obviously this is a very progressive show that puts forward very great ideas about positivity, but like in all fandoms, there's a darkness. Oh my uh, goodness. So this is, is this a big Tumblr show? 
Yes. Okay, so there's a huge Tumblr community for Steven Universe. And do you have to kind of be careful what you say? Because people will get mad. Is that correct? Am I stating that correctly? Or I mean, I have to be careful what I say because I'm a semi-public internet writer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, because the characters are so diverse and because they have... You know, there are a lot of fat characters, there are queer characters, there are characters who can be read as, you know, neurodiverse. There are hints that one character might be transgender, although that isn't confirmed yet. Okay. You know, if if your fan represent, representations, if your fanfic or your fan art uh, deviates from that, okay. then, then the fan community will yell at you, which maybe they shouldn't do. You know, I don't advocate yelling at anyone. Am I remembering correctly? Was there an incident that somebody had made one of the characters a different body type, and mm-hmm. that's what made people angry? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the characters was drawn thinner than she is presented on the show, and a bunch of people got really angry and, you know, accused of fat shaming, and it was really nasty. It was not. Uh, it was not the kind of thing that you want to look at a year from now and think, oh, I said that to someone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's a great metric to use of... <laughs> What will I feel about this in a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're normally just about like, will I be okay with this five minutes from now? I'm like, yeah, I'll still be angry five minutes from now, but a year from now. So I was curious, like you are a measured, careful person, but I, I also know you're a very passionate person. Do you have any controversial opinions about the show where you're like, you've spent all this time, you know it in a sort of studied way, you know the facts of the show, but do you ship anyone? Do you have a strong opinion about where the show should go that's controversial? I don't think I do. I'm I'm not invested in any particular ships. I'm curious to see where they go. I have a couple of predictions that I would love to see confirmed, but I don't think my predictions are that different from any anyone else's who's been okay. paying attention. If you had a fan theory about how the permatan happened mm-hmm. and it turned out to be wrong, would mm-hmm. you be pissed? Like are you at that level? Only if it didn't make sense. You know, we've all seen those shows or stories where they sort of cheap out on the reason. Right. Yeah. Right. That They introduce a mystery. And obviously this creator knows uh, Rebecca Sugar, right? Mm-hmm. She knows that she has a fan base that is paying attention. So it's worth her time to right. make sure that everything makes sense. So Tumblr stays happy. <laughs> I wanted to ask a little bit, uh, a, a question that's kind of a combination of Steven Universe and all of your financial knowledge. Yes. So you write a lot of things about other fictions Mm -hmm. in financial planning. But if somebody came to you and said, we would like to make a Steven Universe-like exciting cartoon about financial planning, Mm -hmm. would you you be interested in making something like that? Sure. So... Can we talk through what it would look like? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Who Would this be for children? Would it be for adults? Would I like the cartoons like Steven Universe that, if she's like most cartoons, unless they're just there to sort of test children's object permanence, most animated things at this point are trying to be both for kids and adults. You'd have to start out realistically, I suppose. You'd have characters, and they would have money, and... They would have to spend it. They would have to talk about having money in the way that people actually talk about okay. having money. Would you want it to be an allegory that they like are tree beans and they can only release so many of their leaves or like as money? Or do you or would you want it to be like it is supernatural? It's werewolves, but they have money. I think the problem with personal finance, you know, where people get messed up is they do treat money as something that isn't real. Right. In that... 
you'll go, you know, you see the stop drinking your latte, right? You can save thousands of dollars a year if you just stop drinking your daily latte. Or, you know, the go through your list of expenses and just, you know, start unsubscribing to magazines. Yeah. Which, I don't know how many magazines you have around <laughs> your house right now. <laughs> so, so personal finance is often approached from a sort of allegorical perspective. Okay. I mean, allegory is not the right word, but a metaphorical perspective. Right. It's a hypothetical perspective. That's what I'm Hypothetical. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a process. Here are like mm-hmm. sort of process things you can do. Right. But you, so you would want to drill home to kids like, no, money's real. I would want to show the consequences. Of, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because... You could have an episode where someone reads that financial tip about, you know, unsubscribing from their magazines, yeah. right? Or in this case, we'll make it a little more realistic. They can unsubscribe from Netflix. They can unsubscribe from cable. They can unsubscribe from their newspaper. They can unsubscribe, you know, they can get rid of their smartphone and get a flip phone. These are all tips, you know. It's yeah. like, you'll get yourself out of debt if you just get rid of that smartphone. And then show what happens. Is this person aware of what's going on is this person able to communicate with their friends is this person able to meet up for a birthday party i mean it's not not to go on miss piggle wiggle on this <laughs> but there are natural there are real consequences to not having access to information yeah absolutely yeah i mean the smartphone example and like the mm-hmm. internet access for sure yeah and then even netflix it is is we're increasingly a society that cares about discussing media that these are our cultural touch points. We're getting closer and closer to that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where they only talked in mythical events. Mm-hmm. And you're getting to the point where like, Luke Cage, episode two, and everybody's like, yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Yes, I agree with that cultural touch point. So do, how would you make it magical? How would you make it like fun like in terms of like superpowers or mystical beings? I mean, I do, do we want to go the Captain Planet route? <laughs> it's sort <laughs> Does of- anybody... <laughs> Captain Finance. <laughs> That's a good question. I suppose magic is hard because money isn't magic. Right. Money is very much the opposite of magic in that you have to work for it. Right. So that that would be interesting if it was like a Harry Potter world where money really, really mattered. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. at the beginning where you can create spells and all that and they can do maybe like attacks or whatever. But like, yeah, maybe you have to pay for spells. What if you had to pay for spells? I mean, yeah. what if you actually had to pay for your weapons? Do we ever see a superhero purchase a weapon? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, you, we get the like stories with Iron Man or Batman that mm-hmm. like they produced these with their great wealth. But I'm sure, I don't know if you have, but I'm sure if you broke it down, like, yeah, there's no way that Batman can actually hide the amount of money no. from a corporation that goes into producing all of those Batarangs. I mean, he could create a charitable foundation, but... (laughs) (laughs) He does have the Wayne Foundation, but... You know, yeah, where do superheroes get these, and who makes them? Do the superheroes go to the the shield factory and see who's putting together their shields, and do they feel badly about it? How often do we count arrows in cartoons? I mean, come on. (laughs) we don't, and we really, really should. Hey guys, it's Sarah Meyer, co-producer of this show, and this week I'm walking up and down Palisades Park in Santa Monica, trying to find people to talk to me about Steven Universe, and no one will talk to me. Uh, I'm wearing a hat because it's cold, and I think that might be why. I think I look sketchy in a hat. Uh, So I'm going to try again. Here I go. 
Okay, have you ever seen the TV show Steven Universe? No, I have not. Steven Universe? No, I have not. No, I have not. What do you think it is based on the name? Uh, I would say probably a travel program. No, it sounds cool though. What, what do you imagine it's about just based on the name? Um, a guy named Steven just trying to interact with the universe and figure it out and live life to the fullest. If you could have a gem give you special powers, what special power would you want? I would go with the ruby and that would be representing love and wisdom. Where would you put it on your body? Oh, definitely on my heart. Well, I wear a lot of gemstones and I think my favorite, ooh, Moldavite because it's a crystal that comes from the meteorite hitting the earth in one place in Chile, or like not Chile, but Czechoslovakia, you know what I mean? Happened millions of years ago, but now there's little pieces and it's like outer space here and it gives you like, I think the ultimate power. It's the holy grail of gemstones. And what's it called? Moldavite. This is like basically exactly what the show's about. Like you should be in the show. Sign me up! Except it's animated. I can do voices! Right now! Okay, a different voice. I don't know. Okay, these are the uh, the lyrics to the Steven Universe theme song, as sung by... C-Ray. Gabriel. Pedro. <laughs> if you're evil and you're on the rise, you can count on the four of us taking you down. Because your good and evil never beats us. And we'll win and then go out for pizzas. I tried. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Do you think about Steven Universe every day? Probably, because the one or another of the songs is usually stuck in my head. Okay, so the main theme is very catchy. Mm-hmm. Are there other songs that repeat? Do characters have their own like themes or, or songs that they sing like every time they're going to fight? It's time no. for the fighting song? It's not like that. It's not like, you know, again, it's not like Sailor Moon in that, that aspect, but... The songs themselves are interesting and they're complex and they're emotionally resonant. There's a song about mindfulness, for example, which where Garnet talks to Stephen about how to identify his thoughts, recognize them as thoughts, and let them go without perseverating over them. Okay. You know, and, and so I think of that all the time. I'm like, oh, here comes a thought. <laughs> All right, I don't have to focus on that. I can just let it go, you know? And right. so that's how that's how the songs get stuck in my head. That's probably why I end up thinking of it every day. Right, is like life lessons almost? Exactly. Successful life lessons? That's pretty damn good <laughs> obsession. Do you have or would you get a Steven Universe tattoo? Oh, I very much wanted to and then I chickened out. Um, <laughs> Tell me that story. Uh, well, I'm, I, I turned 35 this year and okay. I've wanted a tattoo ever since I was, you know, probably a teenager. And I, first I wasn't able to afford one because I was never earning a lot of money. And then I started earning enough money and I thought of myself being 35 and walking into the tattoo studio and being like, hello, how do you tattoo? Please do it on me. You know, and I, I just felt like I would be sort of old. And not only that, I'd have to explain this weird cultural reference I wanted on my arm. And I would have, you know, wanted a phrase probably in my own handwriting. Because otherwise you have to worry about whether the font is legal for use or whether you have to pay someone to license it. That so would be like, a terrible future where there's like drones scanning <laughs> for fonts that you're not allowed to have tattooed on your body. But no, I had this lovely inner, inner, you know, 
forearm tattoo. Again, the phrase, here comes a thought, because it's something I think about all the time. You're like, hello, this is my first tattoo. Please do exactly what I've said in my own handwriting. It's all about me. Also, it's my birthday. So I never did it. (laughs) Okay, so it was the combination of you felt like maybe you were out of place in a tattoo parlor. Mm Mm-hmm. You you felt conscious about your age, mm-hmm. which I don't think you should. As somebody who this is advice that I give other people <laughs> that I don't take, uh, I don't think you should. I of course should Absolutely. at all times. Uh, but then it was also the content. Was it about like you didn't want to go and have this sort of important, intimate, almost idea that means something to you in your own handwriting, and then hand it off to some like stereotypical tattoo person that you don't know at all? Was it like a weird intimacy? No, no. Um, it was more like I'd be walking in knowing nothing about tattooing. Okay. And I'd be like, hello, me, 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 me. My idea is me, 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 me. Also, I've never done this before, but you're going to do exactly what I want you to do. And I thought, well, that's a terrible idea. I should do what most people do and go in and get a small tattoo, you know, off the rack. <laughs> that's not even the right term. There's a real term for it. Yeah. You know, and go get a heart or something, and then I'll know how tattooing works, and then I can go back and find someone. You know, you're supposed okay. to have a tattoo person who works with you and knows you. Okay, so you want to uh, gem combine. What is the term? Fusion, yes. Gem fusion. You want to gem fusion with your tattoo artist first. <laughs> is the me, me, me part of it, though? Is it that... That you feel you're being rude to them because you're not including them in your tattoo? Yes. Okay. It's like, it's like I'm going in place in a fast food order, you know? Okay. For a meal that I've already cooked. Okay, so you, so that it, you're just having a deep and kind respect for uh, tattoo artists as artists. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, so would you get a tattoo, your Steven Universe tattoo, if you went to a convention and there was just a booth of Steven Universe-specific tattoo artists lined up? <gasps> Um, I would, I would need someone to vouch for them. I mean, you're supposed to, (laughs) but let's say that one of someone I knew and trusted had used them before and, you know, said they were great and not weird and creepy. Then yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. I think it would be so much fun. Maybe that will happen because I was (laughs) shocked uh, a couple of years ago, like a year and a half ago, I went to Star Wars Celebration when it was uh, in Anaheim and they had just a bunch of booths of tattoo artists. And they also had open, not open bars, they had bars where you could, you're walking around, you're looking at the exhibits, and you can just buy a beer, and then you can just go get a Star Wars tattoo right then. That's amazing. And that was a little frightening to me about my own judgment skills. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I do need Mon Mothma all across my back right now. That's what the three whiskeys I just had think. Which version of Mon Mothma, though? Which which actress? Mm, Oh, the the story of the the Genevieve, I think, Riley, I might be getting the last name wrong. The woman who played her in Rogue One, having also played her in Revenge of the Sith. That's such a Mm -hmm. cool story. So, yeah. Yeah. My whiskeys would have got younger Mon Mothma. (laughs) Not an age judgment at all. Of course. Uh, Well, I hope you get a Steven Universe tattoo. I would love to do that. You know, and I suspect that once this podcast goes live, someone I know will say, hey, Nicole, let's go get a tattoo together. And if you're listening right now and you want to say, let's go get a tattoo (laughs) together, you know how to find me. And if you don't know how to find me, don't contact me. (laughs) That seems like a good rule of thumb. Uh, okay, so if you had to get something like a little heart, like if you had to get tattoo artist choice before you could get your own tattoo, what would you get? I mean, I'd probably get a music note. That would be oh, yeah. easy. You can stick it on your toe or on your finger, you know. <laughs> you can just put it out of the get way. Get it in, get it out, and now I know how tattoos work. Fair enough. Fair enough. Would you want to study up about tattoos yourself? Because you've said a couple times, I don't know anything about tattoos. I've I've done some research, but I feel like it's one of those things that you don't 
actually get to experience until you experience it. Right, you have to experience it. That makes sense. When someone walks into your home, are they able to tell you're obsessed with Steven Universe immediately? I do have the temple door symbol on my door because my apartment's door number was never there. Someone had written the number on the door with pencil. (laughs) So I got some construction paper and markers and, you know, drew the gem temple door symbol and put my apartment number on it and stuck it on the door. But aside from that, they probably wouldn't because I don't have a lot of stuff in my apartment. I don't have like action figures and posters and things. They would if they looked at my phone or my laptop. Okay, so if they looked at your digital world where you're spending a lot of time writing, they Mm -hmm. would see that. If you had space and money, would you want to get into the physical world of Steven Universe of having comic books and action figures and posters? I do want to eventually collect or read all the books. Owning might be, you know, I digitally own everything now. Okay. But I do want to read all the books. The action figures are less interesting to me just because I'm not a collector and I okay. I move a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want them to become a burden. Yes. It's understandable. Uh, well, so this is a weird question then. Would you steal an exclusive Steven Universe Blu-ray from Walmart? I own nothing that can play a DVD or Blu-ray at this time. <laughs> so you... <laughs> Okay, well, I'll I'll add this, I'll change this to include a Blu-ray player. So if, for some reason, the only way you could find out the truth of the Permitan was this exclusive <laughs> Blu-ray at Walmart, would you steal the disc and a player from Walmart? I feel like I could ask someone what happened, you know. <laughs> but you but let's, let's play by the rules. If that were the only way to do it, I would have a very hard time stealing something. I would probably... I mean, I'd do what I did... When I started paying for HBO, <laughs> when, at this point, I'm either going to watch it or I'm not. And if I don't, then I don't know what happens. And sometimes I'll just make up a story about what happens. And then, you know, then <laughs> Sansa Stark doesn't have terrible things happen to her because I didn't watch it. And I made up my own story instead. <laughs> that is a long way of me saying I would not steal a DVD and the Blu-ray player. So you would see, see this as an opportunity to create some fan fiction. Absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, If there was a presidential candidate that you supported, but you found out they hated Steven Universe, would you take away your support? Do they hate the idea of, you know, women being people? Do they hate the idea of of lesbian and queer relationships? Do they hate the idea of polyamorous relationships? What are we talking about? What they love they all hate? that, and they just fucking hate gems. Oh, well, they then, yeah, gems whatever. Are, they're whatever. stupid. They don't you think know? the cartoon is well-written. They support all of the progressive ideas contained in the show. They just don't like the show. Then that's fine. Who cares? <laughs> At this point, any, I don't want to get too political. You can just finish that sentence. At this point, any. fair enough enough. if donald trump came out Mm -hmm. uh i'm not a fan of him i'm (laughs) gonna go out way out on a political limb and say i'm not personally a fan of the man if he said he likes steven universe would that bug you i would or do you be curious why yeah (laughs) i mean what part does is he just you know imagining himself grabbing the gemstones out of the gems <laughs> he <probably sees> just, <laughs> sees something shiny and says, i want that <laughs> you know, i'd be very curious as to know why yeah yeah uh, it would not move the needle though for you i again he's not president yet we haven't seen what he's going to do you know we just have seen 70 years of behavior from this specific human being <laughs> and then we get to guess absolutely <laughs> We get to make up our own fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) I might tune out for a little while and make up some fan fiction. I shouldn't do that. 
if you heard someone say an incorrect fact about Steven Universe, would you correct them? I am expecting people to correct me. Um, not because I said incorrect facts, but because I was sort of like, well, I said Steven when I actually meant Stevani, who is the, okay. uh, you know, anyway, don't even get into that. Go watch the show. I, you mean like during the podcast? During the podcast. Everybody I simp- like misspeaks a little bit when well, they're speaking no, extemporaneously. I, I deliberately simplified a few things because oh, I didn't want to. Did. Oh, okay. I did. I didn't want to talk about <laughs> Never mind, just watch it. Um, what I mean to say is I expect people to correct me. I would probably do the same. Okay. <laughs> within within a context where it's clear that someone is, you know, spreading misinformation. Yeah, so there's the just getting a little detail wrong, like, oh, somebody misspoke. Uh, who cares? Right. Yeah. Or there's a fundamental misunderstanding that actually contributes to the understanding of the show. Like if somebody thought... Yes. One of the gems meant something different about the character than what you feel it does. Would you say, actually, the gem in the head means... There's there's actually a large percentage of the fan base who claim that the gems are not lesbian or bisexual because they can't actually be women. Some of them, there's this whole like fan base sidebar where they're just like, well, they're not women because they're gems and their bodies are made of light and they just choose to look like women. But that doesn't mean they're women. And when they kiss, it's not gay. You know? <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a lot of ifs, thens, and buts. Yeah. So, so that, that part I would like to correct. Yeah. Okay. And so you feel, and I would imagine the creator. I would imagine. Has she spoken on this issue of like, no, they're obviously they're light projections, but they've they, these characters have they've made the choice to present as women mm-hmm. for some reason. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. You know, I know she's certainly said in one case that these characters, that two characters who some fans insisted were just friends were actually lovers. You know, okay. she came out. She's like, no, seriously, they were lovers. Stop. <laughs> stop erasing this. Um, <laughs> Here's so. video. Yeah. Do you think that they have ever made any choices to, since obviously this is a show that has a huge fan base that has a lot of opinions, do you think they've ever put anything in the show to just be like, no fans, I'm straightening you out? Yes. Oh, very much. Oh, cool. <laughs> there, have been, there have been fan theories that I'm sure the Crewniverse knew about that they very deliberately debunked. You know, they okay. had a character say aloud, that is not what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, would you have a Steven Universe themed wedding? Um, sure. Why not? I yeah. mean, there'd be great outfits. <laughs> there'd be some rock and music. Um, probably some fun themed cocktails. A lot of opportunities yeah. for color. <laughs> so Why all not? the things you like. Yes. Cool. Uh, if the only way you could watch Steven Universe is by sitting on a couch, but next to you on the couch is an unleashed bear, would you still sit and watch next to the bear? I mean, how is the bear feeling today? <laughs> you're, not, you're not sure. It's a little restless. The bear is a little restless. I would, I would probably wait out the bear. I mean, <laughs> eventually the bear will have to leave my home. Eventually the bear will die. I have a longer lifespan than a bear. Um, <laughs> so you would not risk... You, you don't need to see it now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I can wait. Okay. Do you feel that way when the new episodes come out? Do you feel uh, at all competitive with other fans? Like, I need to see it and know what happens now? Or do you wait and enjoy it when you can most enjoy it? I have definitely woken up early because Amazon will drop them 24 hours after they show on Cartoon Network. Okay. So I have definitely figured out 
when that 24-hour period is and set my alarm. Um, so I have done that. But there's never been a bear in the room. The bear changes everything. <laughs> the bear does change everything, which is why I ask. So you would put your physical safety. Absolutely. Physical safety is important. If we want to continue watching Steven Universe, we need to not be dead. <laughs> okay. So you don't want to risk your life yes. in just in case the bear kills you. All right. So, so far your limits are you would not steal... <laughs> the blue way from Walmart, and you would not sit next to a bear. My final obsessed are you question is the weird one I ask everyone. If you could not watch Steven Universe without you or someone you care about first being punched in the crotch, would you still watch Steven Universe? Well, I thought of this on the way over here. Um, I did not get punched in the crotch, but as I was boarding the airplane to come out to Los Angeles for obsessed and New Year's Eve fun, um, a woman was putting a thing in the overhead bin, and her full aluminum water bottle fell out of the bin and smacked my upper thigh <laughs> and i thought well how perfect i just got punched in the crotch um crotch adjacent crotch adjacent but of course i'd get punched in the crotch no problem i mean pain is not that big of a deal for me so okay so the bear thing isn't about pain it's no, about life it's about lifespan. being dead have you heard <laughs> i mean don't hear it but reddit has a video or an audio track of a woman being eaten by a bear because she was calling her mom while she was being eaten and leaving a voicemail saying, I'm really sorry, Mom, I love you. I am currently being eaten by a bear. And I'm joking about that, but this is a real it's thing. It's terrible. It's, I do not want to be eaten by a bear. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair. Crotch punch, fine. Crotch Don't want to be eaten yeah. by a bear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because that would be a more humorous phone call for your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I just got punched once in the crotch. I'm not yeah. being eaten by a bear. No. So it's fine. Good God, I don't want to hear that. Uh, all right, so can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with this show? <gasps> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Is that just the sound of delight? Yes. There's a little bit of surprise mixed in there, too. I think so. It's, it is surprising. I'm delighted that it can still surprise me. Yeah. Does the show, can, it's in its fifth season. Mm -hmm. You've watched it multiple times. Mm -hmm. You probably have some headcanon of your own or theories you're waiting to have confirmed. It can still surprise you. Yes. Even rewatching, you can catch something, you know, way in the back, like a, a photo hanging on someone's refrigerator sort of detail. And you're like, oh, these guys are the, the people. These people are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I rate people's obsession on a scale of one to seven. Do you have an opinion before I give mine? I mean, I, you know, I would certainly say that I am obsessed. I would also say that once the series has ended... I may not be so obsessed. Stories are temporal. And when they end, we find new stories. That's my way of saying that. Okay. That is usually true. I mean, like, I think it is true. I think, uh, I don't think everybody accepts when a story ends. No, we don't want to talk about Firefly, do we? <laughs> that is a great example. Yeah. So a lot of times people obsess on wanting to get that story. So I think that is a perspective the, the thing that I'm trying to say is that obviously it is true in the universe that stories end and then mm -hmm. more stories come. Right. But you have a unique amount of acceptance for that, it sounds like. Absolutely. I think I mean, most people who love a thing just want more and more of it no matter what. No, I, I would rather something end well and, you know, be remembered fondly than stretched out forever. Does that, for you, does that lower your obsession number on the scale of one to seven? Probably. I think that once, you know, once the story is completed, once... We've experienced what Rebecca Sugar set out to tell. And, you know, I know that, like many storytellers, she has her ending in mind and she's had it in mind for a while. I suspect that you take what you learned and you put it in your heart and you sort of, you know, 
eventually move on. Yeah, okay. I am going to rate you a five gems. <laughs> five out of seven gems obsessed because it is clearly affecting you, I would say, internally. Mm-hmm. Like it is affecting the way that you think and process ideas and some of your time, certainly, uh, and your and it exists in your computer world, <laughs> you, your digital uh, reality where you mostly exist, but you do have clear stopping points mm-hmm. of like, yeah, no, no, I just, I would not steal. And your concern over tattoo etiquette is more powerful than your desire to yes. run out and get this very thoughtful, interesting Steven Universe tattoo that you've already thought of. So I feel like you have these stopping points, mm-hmm. but still a pretty, pretty big obsession. Absolutely. Awesome. Can you tell people again where they can find you? Um, you can find me on NicoleDeeker.com, you can find me at TheBillfold.com, or you can find me on Twitter at HelloTheFuture. Cool. Here are some quick plugs for the show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter is at Obsessed Podcast. For info on all my upcoming shows, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. I've got some live Obsessed coming up in both San Francisco and Los Angeles, so go check that out. There are two ways to support Obsessed. You can back us on Patreon and get exclusive bonus episodes every month. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Or you can give money to all the podcasts on the Feral Audio Network by shipping by shipping through our portal. Just imagine if our two portals liked each other by shopping through our portal. Just go to feralaudio.com, click the Shop on Amazon button, and some of the money will go to Feral Audio. If people are going to buy something on Amazon, what weird thing should they buy? I recently bought one of those uh, plastic masks that you put over your face when you put hairspray on, and it keeps the hairspray <laughs> off your face. Really? I didn't know these masks exist. <laughs> I learned about them from reading an article about how Hillary Clinton got her hair done. And <laughs> So yeah. Hillary Clinton has a mask? It, well, her stylist puts a mask in front of her face before she sprays the spray all over her head to keep her dew in place. And okay. I thought, well, that's brilliant. I've always had to spray my hair first and then wash my face. So I went on Amazon, and of course, they sell dozens of these things. Do they look like people? Are they like a Richard Nixon mask? <laughs> Can I mean, you get a Hillary Clinton face mask? You could probably put a, a face on the mask, <laughs> but then it would lose its transparency and you wouldn't be able to see. You'd be <laughs> blinded and just spraying hairspray all over your bathroom. See, I just, I pictured it as a character immediately. <laughs> I didn't even think about the transparency. I thought it was just sort of like you're going to go blind and be zen about it. And like, I'm just going to cover my entire face and just spray wildly and it'll all work out. All right, so go buy a face mask on Amazon <laughs> through our feral shipping shopping portal. So, final questions. Don't have anything to do with your obsession, but they can mm-hmm. if you want. If there was a theme park ride based on your life, what would it be like? Um, it would be a roller coaster, but the ups and downs would be items on a checklist. So you'd go down and there'd be like, ding, and you'd check something off. And maybe you'd go by and it'd be like, you're going by and there's dishes or something. And you go, ding, and the dishes are done. <laughs> I like that. What would happen? Would the ride be in jeopardy if there was something that you couldn't get done? Would like I'm- the ride be broken down and you would be trapped on the ride? I suppose that could be part of the the story of the ride, you know, like in cars, it's like, who's going to win the cars race, you know, (laughs) but there's never any real threat. You're going to get to the end of the roller coaster safely, because that's that's how my rides work. (laughs) Safely, on time, with respect (laughs) to artists who make the rides. Next question. If you could burn a short phrase into the moon for everyone to see, what might the phrase be? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I suppose you have to go with, like, love each other. You know, I don't want to say don't be a dick. First of all, that's Will Wheaton's thing. And second of all, 
some people would be offended because the moon would say dick on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can we just say, like, love each other and don't hurt other people, <laughs> come on. <laughs> love so, each other and don't hurt other people, comma, come on. <laughs> comma, come on. Okay, would you be able to see that all on one face of the moon or would you have to, like, wait? <laughs> there's just, only one face of the there's moon There's only one face see. to be, right, right. Pink like. Floyd taught us that. <laughs> so the come on, though, could be in the dark. There you go, yeah. He's just sort of, like, subtweeting <laughs> the earth. <laughs> Excellent. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Oh, um, happiness is being free from anxiety and thoughts that are getting in the way of the thoughts you want to have. Okay, so going back to your tattoo inspiration from Steven Universe of recognizing which thoughts to keep mm-hmm. and play with and develop and which thoughts to just throw out. Yes, that's a perfect way of putting it. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think my new definition for happiness is remembering how the moon works. I think that's my <laughs> my new goal for my own personal <laughs> happiness. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, so you know that Pearl is thinking because she goes, one, 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 flat seven, flat six, flat six, five, five, four, 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 three, five, three. You know, she's, she's singing modally, so it's do, re, mi, fa, sol, le, te, do, instead of do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. There's just that little bit of difference there, which makes you realize that there's something wrong, that she's having to struggle with an idea, and it's coming out in the flat seven and the flat six.